This is episode number 006 of the Reno Slant. What a huge win for Nevada last week over Oregon State. Now they're heading east to Ohio. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schaub. Big week for the show this week because one of us got recognized running around Reno before the game. <laughs> D-list celebrity sighting at Archie's. We'll get into that with, with Adam. Holy college kickers. Uh, Nevada snuck one out on Saturday against Oregon State. I didn't get a watch, like I said last week. I was at a wedding but I certainly did get to enjoy the open bar uh, up in Seattle. An exciting win for Nevada. It, really an important win for Nevada. And we'll, and we'll get into that. So Adam and I will share our quick thoughts on a Pac-12 victory for Nevada. And then it's on to Toledo. The Rockets came to Mackey last year, won 37-24. What do we need to know about Toledo this year? Really a Mac power at this point. What does Nevada need to do to sneak out a, what would be a pretty big upset win on the road? And that'd be a really strong finish in non-conference at three and one. And you know that we're going to dig into the betting angles and picks for slants this week. We got Twitter questions per usual. Got some really fun ones this week. Weekend plans. We're bringing that one back. 30 second gambling or fantasy football rants and games of the weekend. But first, iTunes review of the week. We actually got one this week. So we got shut out last week. We got one this week. So good to be back on the board. This one comes from hashtag F Marcus. <laughs> so that's certainly one of our buddies. The comment is, or the review is, it's short. It's to the point. It's beautiful. Great educated podcast for some, from some great people. So I love that it was great educated podcast, but it wasn't great educated people because... I guess we're not educated. <laughs> for a chance to be selected for the iTunes review of the week. Next week, all you got to do is go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review, say something funny, say something insightful, give some thoughts about what you like about the podcast, maybe what you don't even like about the podcast, and maybe you'll get some love on next week's show. Uh, so before we dig into this, Adam, I mentioned it at the very top. You had, I had a couple of those every once in a while in Reno. But you had your first one. Someone was like, hey, are you the Reno Slant? Are you on the Reno Slant? So I, I guess one of your first memories ever being what, what, recognized in public is, I, uh, I, I guess don't know I, what I'd I put guess, it. What was it? I guess I was just more confused than anything. <laughs> I was sitting <laughs> at Archie's before the game, and I, it did not recognize me for me. recognized because a picture I posted. <laughs> Could tell by the angle. So I was like, you know what? I'll take what I can get. It's all about proximity, baby. Yep, exactly. That's funny. So he goes, hey, are you the Reno Slant? And then then what happens? He buy you a beer? You buy him a beer? How'd that go? No, he said he liked to give you a lot of shit when you were running your own uh, radio show and <laughs> like, mess with you on Twitter. His name spaced me by right now. I can't remember. But yeah, he actually went immediately to that, that he liked to give you a hard time. <laughs> That's super funny. Super funny. Yeah. All right. You, you, dude, you were at the game. Um, and we'll get into that here in a second. But what did you make of the environment? It was an afternoon game. It was a Pac-12 opponent. A really fun finish. What, what did you make of, I guess, Mackey Stadium on Saturday? 
Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Like, obviously, the attendance was better than I was expecting. Um, And we'll get obviously, we'll say that later. But two things I noticed of that kind of not really field related, but one was the student section was embarrassing. Was it lame? Right behind. Right behind, the, right behind, you know, the field or behind the touchdown, it was it was pretty empty. I was actually with, there with one of my buddies, and we were looking at that like when we were in school. I mean, at least for the first couple years I was here, it was that used to be like completely packed, and you had waiting some huge line to get up there. And then the other thing I thought too was, I mean, Corvallis isn't too far, but they traveled very well. There was a lot of orange in that stadium. Hey, but as predicted on the Reno Slant podcast. We said Corvallis, not too far. I think they're going to travel pretty well. Yeah, it was a lot of orange, but it was definitely good. There was, there was a yeah. ton of people, so I thought I thought the the atmosphere was fun. Was pretty pretty fun. Did it thin out at all when Nevada goes up thirty to seven? Did you notice that? At all? Um, a little bit, but I mean, like just the way it is and kind of the culture there. A lot of people, you know, yeah. especially students, only make it to halftime anyways, and then head to yeah. a bar or something. So it was kind of hard to differentiate if it was any different than you know what I'd seen prior. Moment of truth, though, did you stay till the very end? I did not. <laughs> I actually was, was at it the, wall. the wall. I was yeah. I was at the wall, so I got I got an early start. That's funny. All right, let, let, we'll jump into the game real quick here. Um, I will start my first takeaway. Holy shit! Nevada beat a Pac-12 team. Like we we can talk about Oregon State's losing streak. They've lost 21 straight road games now. Um, can talk about Nevada maybe. Or potentially blowing a thirty to seven lead at one point. This is a Nevada team that won three games last year. It's their seventh Power Five win since ninety two. Nevada didn't win its second game of the season last year until November eleventh. So it's a, it's a Pac twelve team. It's the third game of the season. Nevada is now two and one. The biggest win easily of Jay Norvell's really young tenure. I think it was a really important win. And for a team that's hoping to fight into a, for a bowl game this year, or maybe get into a bowl game. That was a huge, huge win. So take nothing away from the, what Oregon State has been. That's a great win on Saturday. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Like it was, it started getting to that point. You were thinking, especially, you know, after the Vanderbilt game, you were trying to think of the rest of the schedule and what they were going to need to do to be bowl eligible. And it kind of got to that point with this game. It's like they, it's not a must win, obviously, but it was like, they could this is going to be useful. Yeah, like, this, this will be a crucial, crucial win. Useful win. On useful Saturday. win. <laughs> um so what i had for it was the thing i talked about two weeks ago i stayed away from it last week but was the quick start yeah you know, 16 points in the first quarter two touchdowns and field goal they obviously they missed the pat whatever but then that almost on top, ended up being a big missed field goal by the way you big but then on top of that too was when they got into um the second quarter, they had two touchdowns within the first five minutes. One of them being the defensive touchdown, huge, huge right. run back by by Malik Reed. But so obviously the quick start that is one of the things I definitely noticed. Yeah, that one of the things certainly jumped out. I was sort of paying half attention between making my trips to the beer for unlimited or the bar for <laughs> unlimited Coors Light and looking at my phone. Um, one of the things I, I looked at. So you look at Oregon State. You look at the score. They scored thirty five points. They moved the ball a ton. Uh, threw for about a million yards in that game. But the second-half defense, especially in the third quarter, really kept Nevada in this game. The, the offense basically kicked it into neutral or maybe even park or even reverse in some drives. <laughs> um, but here are Oregon State's drives in the second half. 
Five plays, 19 yards punt. Three plays, minus 13 yards punt. Seven plays, 30 yards punt. Three plays, zero yards punt. Six plays, 63 yards interception. And then a 42-yard touchdown drive, so a really short field. 44-yard drive, missed field goal. 40-yard drive, again, really short. Um, a 40-yard touchdown drive, so again, really short field. And then it ended with a missed field goal. So Oregon mm-hmm. State started moving the ball a little bit at the end. But for an offense that was moving the ball as well as it was, um, especially late in the first half, and as potent as they are, defense needs or deserves a ton of credit um, for really slowing Oregon State down, especially in that third quarter. Because if Oregon State puts a couple touchdown drives together in the third quarter, Nevada loses that game. So um, some really big, big stops in that third quarter for the defense. Yeah, and see, I was going on the counter side is that when you were mentioning the offense was kind of, you know, stolen. Uh, I'm saying that on that side is try not to get too negative about it, but there's still room to improve because there was three big things, three statistics I was looking at is they were out uh, total yards. They were beat time of possession. They were beat and first downs they were beat. So obviously the defense stepping up in the second half, that's huge being able to keep Oregon state's offense, not doing much, but it still goes to show that, you know, I think it obviously was a great win. But there's still a couple little things that need to get twerks. I mean, like total yards, it was, I'm look, I was yeah. looking at it. It was 540 yards to 357. Time was 35 minutes to 25 minutes and first downs were 28 to 17. Yeah. So major kudos to the defense. Yeah. No, there, there are some big things to mix we don't, or to, to fix. We don't need to shy away from that. But what defense is doing right now is they're making some plays. You, you get mm-hmm. some turnover sprinkled in any of the defensive score by Malik Reed was big. Give an interception in the second half was big. Oregon State was moving the ball in that drive. Um, so yeah, they're they're doing a little bend but don't break right now. And mm-hmm. for for a group that gives up gives up a ton of yards, you can kind of compensate for that if you can get your hands on some footballs. Yep, that's a good point. We we talked about while we're giving some love to the defense here. We talked about Oregon State's ground game coming mm-hmm. coming into that coming into Saturday. Forty yeah. carries, eighty yards, eighty net yards. That's all so they had? That's all they had. Two yards of carry, which is unbelievable. Oregon State was averaging 280 rushing yards a game in its first two, including a game at Ohio State, and that was like number 21 in the country or something. So, yes, like, mad, yeah, really, mad props to, to Nevada's front. Yeah, it kept them contained. Um, the last one I got, um, offense, second half, not great. People were upset. My Twitter was on fire. <laughs> Why are we moving the ball? Which I understand after after the start, but it was a nine point lead in the second half against the Power Five team. Um, a stat that did jump out because I didn't get to do a lot of watching. I did a lot of Twitter and a lot of reading after the game. In the red zone, Nevada was four of four offensively. Ohio State was five of seven, and there's a difference in a two score game executing in the red zone. So offense sputtering in the second half, but did execute when it needed to when it got down in the red zone. And played a played a huge huge part in that one. You got another one? Uh no, I'm. That was all I got. That's all you got. All right, so big big non conference win for Nevada. Um, we'll get into the Toledo game momentarily, but first we need to do some slants. We started last week with games of the weekend. I think we'll stick with that at least uh, for the time being. We'll start in the college game. Uh, you can go first. All right, so I'll just list them both real quick. I got Stanford at Oregon. Yep. Number seven versus number 20. I think it's obviously you and I are big Pac-12 guys. So that's going to be, you know, very big in the Pac-12 North to see who kind of finishes where. Did you see the spread uh, on that game? 
one and a half in favor of Stanford. Were you? I know the game's at Oregon. Were you surprised by that? Nah, I mean, I would figure Stanford would still be favored, but I, you know, I honestly thought that it was going to be a little, a little more than that. That's what I I'm thought saying. It, I thought it'd be a bigger spread. Yeah. So I mean, they're obviously giving Oregon credit to something. I mean, I haven't really watched any other games, but they haven't, you know, from what I've seen, nothing's been wowing. They played Bowling Green. They played Portland State. And oh, they, San, and, and San Jose and State. San last Jose week. State. And they and, they beat them by like twelve or something. Yeah, they whooped up on Bowling Green and they whooped up on Portland State, and then mm-hmm. they beat San Jose State by thirteen. All those games were at home, by the way. So this is Oregon's fourth straight home game to start the season, and Stanford only laying a point and a half. Wink, wink. Mm. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, they, might- they had that. I mean, for a few years, it was it was those two for the Pac twelve, Pac ten title, whatever it was back then. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a rivalry game, if you will, and. This is the ABC primetime game. I, I think you went right to it. I think this is the most fun matchup of the weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I think that one's going to be great. And then another one would just be a Big 12 showdown, TCU-Texas. Yep. TCU's favored by three. That's a one thirty game on Saturday, so that'll be a nice one to lead into the Oregon-Stanford game. So Is, gives Tex- me more, is gives- Texas back? No, they're not back. <laughs> Texas God. is back, folks. That that may be the most annoying thing. It's like every year, all Texas fans, we're back. We're, and then they just get like, they lose to, would they lose to Maryland, Maryland. week one this year? Yeah. And it's like, they did something like that last year, losing to a nobody. Yeah. And that's, oh my God. It's, it's, it's death taxes and Dex, Texas being ranked number 21 in the country and then getting its ass kicked in the opener. <laughs> I feel like it's every year. <laughs> Take it to the bank. You but, can bet on it. It's going to happen again. But they did whoop up on USC last week. Yeah, that's true. They did. All right, but, so I, I had those two games, and the other two games I had were uh, A&M at Bama. I'm at the point now where I'm – like when, even when Bama's playing a good team, I don't really want to watch. Like, uh, they're, they're annoying. Ugh, yeah, but uh, Texas A&M looked pretty good and lost to Clemson earlier. Mm-hmm. In, I think it was week one. That was at A&M. This one's at Bama because, of course, it is. So um, <laughs> that that is – between that game and Stanford Oregon are the only two top twenty five matchups. Yeah, I was noticing that. I was looking at my app and I was like, there is just not a whole lot of top twenty five yeah. going on. Um even even in the, the Mountain West there aren't some there aren't really any super intriguing matchups. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one that I've that I've circled, not in the Mountain West, but just at large here. Number eight Notre Dame at Wake Forest. And the reason I have that one circled is I think Notre Dame is wildly overrated. Wildly mm-hmm. overrated. The only reason they're getting any love is because they, cool. they beat a a Michigan team at home. Is, is anyone wowed by, by what Michigan is doing? No. So they beat Michigan at home 24-17 in the opener. Since then, Notre Dame at home beat Ball State 24-16. And then the next week, turn around and beat Vandy 22-17. Do you know what the spread is on that Notre Dame Wake Forest game? I don't actually pull it up real quick on your phone. Yeah, let me. I'd be kind of curious to see, but that, that's two games against Ball State and Bandy. Is anyone wowed by either of those teams? Nevada was hanging around Bandy on the road for it happening. The SEC versus Mountain West happened. You got All it? right. Well, let's do this. What's your uh, what's your guess? 
on the spread. It, uh, let me. Go. I gotta pull up my. I'm curious my... to see how. Because I I look at those those games. Those are three one score games at home. Hmm. All right. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna is... say nine and a half. Nine and a half. Yeah. At Wake Forest, yeah. the spread is seven and a half, and seven the over and under half. is sixty and a half. Give me so Wake, you, give me Wake Forest straight up in that game. Wake Forest money lines two fifty. Wake Forest straight up. Give it. To I'd me. even, I'd for sure take the seven and a half because you can get the hook with it, which is nice. Yeah, I, I think Notre Dame's overrated. Mm-hmm. Like Texas every year. You're welcome, Myers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, NFL. I'll go first. I wrote. I had. I only had a couple. And that obviously is excluding the major, major matchup on Thursday Night Football, Jets-Browns. I don't know how you don't get fired up for that one. <laughs> Browns, three-point three, three favorites. I think it's their first time being favorited in like seven years. Well, now do I look like the ass hat? Because I, I had that as my number one game of the week. <laughs> Why? This is going to be so bad. No, dude, I'm all about the Browns, hard knocks. I got to stick with it. Now I feel like I got to ride them out until they get the win. Once they get the win, I can part away from them. But right now, Thursday, I will be wearing my Johnny Manziel jersey. Good. The The game on Sunday, I remember looking at my phone. And like They're up nine with nine minutes left. They're going to lose. Um, I, had, I had zero faith they were going to win that game. Zero. The, funny, the funniest thing is they kept cutting to Hugh Jackson, and you could see him. He knew they were going to lose, too, on the sidelines. Yeah. He's just like... Was just so emotionless because he's like, I know we're winning and I know that this is going to come crashing down. Imagine that feeling like where you just know, you just know, <laughs> like we there's, all know it. They all know it. That's got to be so just miserable. Legit. Well, you want to hear something funny about that three point favorite? I got kind of curious about it because I was like, all right, when was the last time the Browns were favored? Right. Cause like they've been so awful. And so I looked it up last night. The last time the Browns were favored to win a game. December 13th, 2015. Good lord. Against the San Francisco 49ers. They were two, <laughs> they were two and a half point favorites and they ended up winning 24 to 10. And they covered. Just, and they covered. And, ju- and they, they put the little stat here. This won't really apply to us because I know we're not really Star Wars people, but just to give you a time frame of how long it's been, the Star Wars, the Force Awakens movie, whichever one that was, wasn't in theaters yet for you Star Wars buffs. So it's been a while. I would, I have zero faith in laying any points with the Browns. Zero. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And they just got rid of Josh Gordon too. Yeah, that's a whole thing. Um, yeah. all right, games I'm, I actually am looking forward to for more serious purposes. San Francisco at Kansas City. Um, I'm I'm all in on the Chiefs because I got Mahomes in both my leagues, and they're just an electric factory. Like that offense is unbelievable, and. San Francisco, I don't know if optimism is starting to wane a little bit um, already, but uh, I think that's going to be a fun matchup, and I just I could list every Kansas City game the rest of the year because I think they're just that much fun to watch. Yeah, they're pretty crazy, and like Mahomes can just bomb that ball, and it works because they got a cannon. Well, it's crazy too because they got those speedsters, Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt. It's like they were interviewing Hill, and they just said he said that the difference between him and Smith is that he just doesn't stop running, and Mahomes can still get him the ball because he can just throw it that far. Just an absolute can. Well, Uh, we can fit. Go. What were you say? Oh, I was gonna say we could finish on that because literally those are my two games. Oh, I I got one more. I got one more. I got the Monday night game. How lucky Mm -hmm. is ESPN for this? They've been complaining about them getting stupid games from NFL. Pittsburgh mm-hmm. at 2-0 Tampa Bay is suddenly super intriguing. 
Yeah, seriously. That's uh, going to be a- the Bucks have been looking awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, beat the Saints and the Eagles, and then you got Pittsburgh, zero and two in early must win territory, and they're like falling apart right now. The locker room's a mess. The Steelers, what, Steelers what all over. The, Steelers are all over the place now. Tampa Bay's got a quarterback controversy. Controversy. So yeah, I definitely I agree with that. I think the Monday night game is going to be pretty fun. I don't think it's a controversy at all. You go with Fitz Magic. We'll see what happens. I mean, like I think they stick with Fitz too. You have to. But we'll see if how we'll see how much of a fight Winston puts up. A weird line in that game, by the way. Pittsburgh minus one and a half last I saw. In Tampa. In Tampa. What has Pittsburgh shown to say? I'm going to go lay points on the road against a Tampa team that's looked awesome. That's a great question. I'll have to look into that a little more. Yeah, that, might one, be a, that might, one was weird to me. Might, might be a Tampa money line situation. All right, uh, thirty second gambling slash fantasy complaints. Are you are you ready? You got some stuff yeah, ready to go? I right, am. Right, hold ready. on, hold on. Let me get the stopwatch out. All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. And go. I cannot explain my frustration playing in a twelve man league. <laughs> a twelve man league where. Oh my gosh. I was the third highest scorer this week. And of course, I play none other than the first highest scorer. Yep. 12 man league, th- third highest score of the week. And I somehow still managed to lose. Then shifting to my other league, five I am seconds. now starting to, I'm, oh, five seconds. I'm back. I'm back. One and one. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go. Um, w- w- my 12 team league that I'm in, not with you. I've had a buddy. Both weeks he was the second highest highest score. Both uh-huh. weeks he played the highest score. That is, there's nothing worse than putting up a ton of points and then just having someone else just barely out edge you. <laughs> yeah, so he scored the most points in the league and he's 0-2. All right, yeah. my 30 second gambling slash fantasy complaints. I have none. I had an awesome week. Both my both my leagues I put up 105 points, standard scoring. The only thing I'm mad about is in one of my leagues I started Andrew Luck over Mahomes and that ended up not looking very pretty. Um, Mahomes is like 38 points. Luck was at like 11. Um, but didn't matter. Got the win regardless. I do find myself, however, big picture, I'm starting to get very scared about David Johnson because the Cardinals suck. They suck. They're not going to score any points. I don't know what to expect out of him this year. Um, I am nervous about David Johnson. Okay. Uh, weekend plans. Moving on suddenly. Uh, road game for Nevada. Are you, are you waking up and doing morning beers for the game or what are you doing? Yeah, I'll probably wander my way down to the Tamarack. I think it's on CBS or CBS, CBS Sports, Sports Network. Yep. Yeah, so I'll, I'll plop my way down there at 9 a.m., probably get to, I think it's Sully's is what that little place is called that where they Sully's. have all the TVs. Sully's. Yeah, so, I'll be, so I'll be at Sully's, probably have a, cu- probably have a couple morning, a uh, couple nice ways to start the day. But other than that, after the game ends, I plan on uh, falling onto the couch and not moving until probably I have to get up for work on Monday. That's fall, baby. Yep, that is my weekend plans. What do you I, got? I had a big moment last night, actually, because I've been complaining about that it's, it's still 100 degrees every day. Last night, I got out of the shower at night, and I was cold enough for the first time to put on sweatpants. And that was Ooh. a huge, huge moment for me. <laughs> first time of the fall. You should, um, now you got to start having an anniversary of it or something like that. Throw a little party. I know. This is by far the latest it's ever gone into the calendar year. September 18th, first time wearing sweatpants, which to me is just a damn shame. <laughs> damn shame. All right, this weekend for me is uh, Life is Beautiful. Oh, down, yeah. Down here in Vegas. So uh going to be running around downtown. It's Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. So I'll be doing that at night. And then during the day, I will be napping on the couch watching football. 
So typical festival question. Who are the headliners, bro? Oh God. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, I think the kids are excited about Travis Scott. He's going to be they- there. Uh, Galantis is going to be there. Um, I know, I don't even know. See, I'm so bad at this stuff. I just go because it's fun. Yeah. Like, I, I, I just, I just, no, I, I, that, those are really the only two I can, my terrorist can listen to this and be pissed at me if we're not remembering. <laughs> yeah. um, you're going to so, be in trouble. You're, you're trouble. <laughs> Life is beautiful at night and then football during the day. I'll, I'll probably wake up around halftime and then I'm out of game on Saturday. That's a good call. <laughs> eh, this is the worst thing. All right. Uh, moving on to Twitter questions. And then after this, we're digging into the Toledo matchup. Um, you're going to have to take this one because I obviously did not go to Nevada. Um, this one's from 15th and Virginia. For those of you who aren't following this Twitter account, you should. They put out some pretty awesome videos, um, a lot of Nevada basketball stuff. So if you want to look for some Nevada video content, 15th and Virginia, they ask favorite slash least favorite spots on campus, non-sports related. Okay. So I'm going to have to go. My favorite place to study was the top floor of Ansari because they had that, the liberal arts library and there was never anybody in there so it's always super quiet you didn't have to walk all the way to the kc so that place favorite place to study favorite place to nap i might get some shit for this one but there was this couch in this orvis building on the south side by the quad it but the couch was literally right where you walked into the building i would take such big naps there just right in front it, of but everyone. like Right in front of everybody. So I ended up, there was one Twitter account like, called like Asleep at Nevada and I saw a picture of myself on it just zonked as people were walking by. So Beautiful. that was favorite spot to nap. Least favorite spot I'd have to say was the little section right outside Shulik, I think it was, before the big set of stairs up to the Raggio. So kind of by that mini quad. Because one, you were either going up those huge set of stairs, which were horrible, <laughs> or two, you were having to merge with all the oncoming oncoming student traffic. And it, you had to like do that awkward, like, do I jump in now? Do I not jump in? Who am I waiting for? So that here. little, yeah, so that little section was by far the worst spot on campus. I must call you out for you saying your favorite spot on campus, non-sports related, was in the library. That's pretty terrible. What are you doing on campus? There yeah, are took- so many things to do on campus that involve not going to the library. Hey, that's why it took me seven years. Or I guess it's surprising it still took me seven years. That's terrible. <laughs> that's terrible. All right, uh, Eric, one of our good buddies. I don't know how he heard about this. Why did you bench Patrick Mahomes this week? Okay, the Mahomes thing, as exciting as it is, is two weeks old. So he had one good week in the opener. I like, I like luck. I don't like him as much now that I got Mahomes. Um, so I'm not proud. We'll look back on it in eight weeks and be like, wow, I can't believe that actually happened. Um, so it happened. I can own it. Move on past. That's what good fantasy owners do right there. Uh, Austin asks, do you prefer Watching one game at a time or several on every device you can find. And no bad questions, but give me 8 million screens. Give me every every screen. There's a reason why Red Zone is the greatest gift from God. Exactly. Well, it puts a million screens onto one screen. But um, we used to, like in our house, we'd get three TVs going on Sundays. We would have Red Zone on one, and we had Sunday Ticket, so we had two of the interesting games going, so we could watch them at all times. Um, yeah, you got to have all the screens. 
Yeah, that's true. I forgot we did that in our old house. It was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, some weird guy named John Schaup. I have no idea who this could be. Hawks win total for the year. <laughs> There's, uh, I'm going to say five and 11. That it's easy to get super pessimistic about your team. And I'm fully there. We suck. We are bad. Like so, so awful. Not only is the offensive line still a major problem, but now our defense sucks. Mm-hmm. So now it's fully Russ go win games for us, and I'm even starting to get in with Russell with Russ Wilson. Like, <laughs> dude, has that's a, that's what, that's when you know there's an issue if you're getting annoyed with Russ. Dude, dude has an amazing gift for turning a five yard sack into a fifteen yard sack. <laughs> like that, that's kind of become his thing this year. Yeah. Um, and then he's always been a fourth quarter guy. He threw a brutal pick six last week. It's just, ugh. I, I'm, I'm going to say I'm in full on tank mode. Let's go get pick number one. It's going to be tough to beat out the, the bills though. And we have the Cardinals twice. They're that's awful. What I, that, I was thinking four and 12, but I thought the Cardinals too. And so I would assume that's two wins, but I we're, we're so bad. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll say, I'll say three and 13. Woo! That is... We're bad. That's going to be a rough one. We're bad. Brian asks, Outlook on the battle for the Fremont Cannon after week three. How much attention have you been playing to, to and paying to UNLV football? Uh, and little to nothing, pretty much. <laughs> I don't think I... I think... Didn't they play USC this year? Yeah, they definitely yeah. played USC this year. Yeah, so they, but, op- so they opened at USC. They were hanging around early. Ended up losing that one. It got pretty lopsided. And then they have two home wins over UTEP and Prairie View A&M. So a couple world beaters. I don't know what you really make. It's nice to help out with USC in the first game. But USC was starting a true freshman quarterback. I mean, it's USC on the road, though, regardless. Yeah. Something that does jump out at me about UNLV early, they are running the hell out of the football. They are Mm -hmm. number three in the country. They're averaging 345.3 rush yards a game. And uh, for those keeping the score home, that is a lot. Uh, Lexington Thomas, their stud running back, is not a secret. He was uh, getting a ton of love in the preseason, and that dude is a legitimate problem coming out of the backfield. They have Armani Rogers. I forgot his name on one of the first goal podcasts. Their sophomore Cam Newton to be quarterback because he was crowned, which is absolutely ridiculous. He's not doing a ton throwing the ball, but he's basically – the huge frame that he is. He's basically a second running back. He's out running for over 100 yards a game. He actually leads the team with five rushing touchdowns. So I think we'll have a better idea about UNLV after Saturday. They go and play a pretty good Arkansas State team on the road. Uh, I think there's seven and a half point dogs in that one. So I think we'll have a better understanding in that one. Nevada, we kind of know what's going on. I think it's two teams um, who are – I would say they're in similar situations in terms of fighting for bowl eligibility. Um, so I, I haven't seen anything one way or another yet to say, wow, one team is definitively better than the other. All right, you ready to dig into this? Yeah, let's do it. Actually, we got we got one more, actually. From oh, fake, we got another? From, and how dare I? I need to apologize to Fake Matt Mummy. Everyone go follow Fake Matt Mummy on Twitter, by the way. Dude's awesome. He had a hilarious question. He even included pictures. Like, he got in... <laughs> On, on this one, just slow clap for fake Matt Mummy. The the thought, thought he, I don't know where you get these questions, dude, but they're awesome. He says, "Who was more dis, uh, a more dislikable college movie dean? Animal House's Dean Warmer 
or old school's Dean Pritchard. Do you want to explain to him the dilemma? <laughs> so we, we don't ever talk about the questions before we start pushing our forward button, but we did mention this one because um, we are going to show our millennial colors here. I've seen Animal House once. You've seen it how many times? Zero. <laughs> so um, I don't know if we should be embarrassed about that or not. I, I, I feel a little bit embarrassed. I'm not happy. <laughs> um, so I think by default I'm going – Dean Pritchard, because one because he's seen it, and two, I find myself so torn with that character because that's Ari Montrage, and I love Ari Montrage. Ari Gold, and to see him play such a just brutal character, it like breaks mm. my heart a little bit. Well, that's just one of my favorite movies in general. Is old school. I love that movie. So <laughs> great movie, no question. All right, now you ready to dig into Toledo? Let's do it. All right, uh, kickoff Saturday, another really early kick, 9 a.m., so you got to wake up at probably 7.45 at the latest to get that pregame buzz going. Get a couple beers down. It's on CBS Sports. Um, a couple things on my side to know about Toledo, at least what I've found. And some of you guys know this. I mean, this is common sense. Toledo's a good team. Uh, they won the MAC last year. They're picked to finish second in the MAC West this year by coaches and media. They just got edged out by Northern Illinois. And both polls. So this is, people will say Toledo. I've heard some people say, yeah, Toledo, we can go win that game. Nevada lost 37-24 at home to this Toledo team last year. Now they're going on the road. I think this is Nevada's toughest non-conference game uh, of the four. And that includes at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. And if you want to go historically, the Rockets lead the series right now 4-0. And the last, obviously, like you just said, last win was last year, 37-24. So in the, in the four matchups they've played, big numbers. But, yeah, Reno is well, goose at 0-4. Yeah, well, I mean, Oregon State was 3-0 against Nevada before Saturday, so maybe it's the time to take down some teams you haven't taken down before. Hey, I'm not arguing that we got to keep the things going. I'm just saying that's <laughs> what it is. Um, one of my other things also was uh, there's a lot made about quarterback Logan Woodside last year. He was getting preseason Heisman love when he came to Reno. They got a new quarterback this year, Mitchell. I'm going to butcher the last name. I couldn't find – I looked for, like, three minutes to find how to pronounce his last name. So I didn't look that hard. Um, Guadagni, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I would have guessed. Mitchell Guadagni, dude is lighting it up. We talked about Patrick Mahomes being electric. This this offense, this is one of the better passing offenses in all of the country, regardless of classification. So they're averaging 45 points per game in their first two. That includes, um, we can talk about a little bit, they played Miami last week. So we'll get to that. They're averaging 45 points per game in their first two games. That's 19th in all of FBS. And they're averaging 468 yards a game, which is 39th in the FBS. And almost, I don't want to say almost, but the vast majority of that is coming through the air. 306 passing yards a game. That's 27th in the country. And uh, I'm going to say QB1. He's averaging over 20 yards per completion. That's a pretty good stat. That is unbelievable. That is best in the country. So th- th- this offense... That, that's uh, number one in the country? Number one in the country. So oh small sample size through two games, but they can move the football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to go off that, talking about Miami. I think, obviously, I think Miami's overrated again this year. But they were playing them pretty tight before the half. They got scores at 28-21. But then kind of the second half, the wheels fell off. You know, I think it kind of showed the depth of the team. And Miami's yeah. obviously a little bit bigger. But just going, you know, if you want to 
t- people talking about conferences and the MAC and you know the ACC, Mountain West going to get game comparison. Toledo is a team that can play with some of these big dogs. Yeah. So that's what that's the other part too is that this game obviously isn't going to be anything. It's still going to be a great challenge. So even though they're from small, they're from the small little co- kind of conference like we yeah. are. Yeah. That's still it's still going to be a tough opponent. No, they're legit. Um, that kind of plays off of my third one. You talk about being a close game early on Saturday. So we're sitting there getting ready to get on the ferry. I'm like, I'm kind of curious to see what Toledo's up to. I see they're down 21-14 to Miami. I'm like, damn, that's pretty impressive. So I tweet out, hey, you guys, the 9FX opponent Toledo is only down 7 to Miami right now. I think after that point, I can do some math. They ended up losing 49-24. So they ended Mm -hmm. up getting outscored 28-10 the rest of the way. So I think it's very easy to say... This is even a stretch that I own a Toledo Jinx. The, you, yeah, exactly. that, that so is get, the third thing. I'm like, hey, they're hanging out with Miami, and then got got their ass kicked in the, in the second. Should be, should be happy their football Twitter account didn't see your tweet. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think if things start going south on Just, Saturday, I said like, hey, this Toledo team looks really good. Send out another tweet, see what happens. Yep. So we we got that in the back pocket, ready to go. Do you have another one? Yeah, my, I mean, my third one was what you talked to as well with the quarterback, just that he's a dual threat. So obviously yeah, Toledo's, right. yeah, Toledo can run, Toledo, or obviously like Oregon State could run the ball last week. Nevada's defense stepped up, really contained the run game. Yeah. You know, the quarterback now, he can throw, they can run. So it's going to be interesting too with, to see how mobile, or mobile this guy is and how the defense kind of, what they end up doing with them zoning or spying or anything. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see how they contain the quarterback. All right, favorite player on the other roster. You want to take this one first? Did you, did you, <laughs> yep. did you, did you follow your same blueprint? So I, I steered a little bit. I okay. still looked in the line. I still looked for the lineman range, but yep. I couldn't really find anybody that was just like abnormally large or abnormally short and huge, whatever. So yeah. I ended up going with a funny name. This guy is 6'4", 270, redshirt freshman. Okay. He's a lineman. His name is Woodford Lankford. <laughs> What a great name. If your name is Woodford Langford, you have no option but to be a lineman at Toledo. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, this kid is probably 12 years old, and they just started shoving candy bars, and I'm like, you got no choice, bud. <laughs> it was either going to play a lineman, you're going to be a lineman, or you're going to start playing tuba. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just saw the name, and I just had to start crying. I did not. I, I tried to like look at the pro player profile. I couldn't find anything out about him. So as soon as I saw I was like, whatever, his name's funny enough. So Woodford Langford, he's my player of the great. week, or my, my favorite player. What a great name. I hope he plays. I'm really Same here. I'll wear, a Wood, I'll wear a Lankford jersey. <laughs> um, mine went I, – I didn't go for a player necessarily. I went for the head coach. Okay. Um, I was clicking around. I'm like, I think I have a, a full-on man crush on their head coach. Dude, <laughs> dude, Dude's a beast. Okay, he's only 38. This is his third full season coaching the team. He's 22-9, and nine, and he's, he's had two full seasons. He okay. won a MAC title last year, and so in your second, so he took over at the end of one year. Then he had the next year was his full season. Then next, the next year was that was last year. So this okay. is the third full year, and I think if you if you're really good in your third, fourth, you're starting to win with your guys now. You have your system in place. Mm-hmm. You're only 38. Jason Candle, great name, rolls off the tongue. I think I think he's <laughs> gonna be. Someone a lot of Power Five programs are going to be looking at in a pretty short time frame. Yeah, um, and most importantly, he's a D three guy. 
Is he D3? No way. He's a D3 guy. So he, he, play, Where, he played and coached at Mount Union, which is one of the most famous D3 schools in the country. Uh-huh. Um, they're in the D3 title game almost every country or almost every year. Um, so the fact that he's one young for it, for his, the pool that he's in, he's been dominant, super successful, and he's a D3 guy. Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, that was a, I guess. So that was I'm a good on, reason for you to like. I'm, I'm on the Jason Candle hype train. All right. Okay. Um, key matchups to look at in this one. I'll go first here. Um, we talked about how electric, I'm going to use that word a lot on Space Pod if I haven't already, their Cleo's offense is. Their wide receivers are legit. Um, they always mm-hmm. need to be if you're going to have a strong passing game. So it's, it's Toledo's wide receivers versus Nevada's secondary. We talked about Nevada limiting Oregon State on the ground. Last week, and it wasn't because Oregon State didn't try. They had 40 carries, but they threw the ball all over the yard. 459 yards passing, and that's at home. Now you're going on the road to play a Toledo team that can really fling the ball around the yard, averaging, as I said, 20 yards a completion. Their wide receiver court in the preseason, several different rankings, had them in the top 10 in terms of skill and returning talent. They got a guy, Deontay Johnson. Last week against Miami, Mac Offensive Player of the Week, six grabs, 119 yards, two tutties, one was 40 yards. Um, so Toledo's wide receivers versus Nevada secondary is going to be interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. I was going to go with uh, just the offense in the second half against Toledo's D. Yeah. Obviously looking from a grand perspective, looking back at last game. Uh, there's going to be some other factors playing in that I'll, you know, what I'll think for the biggest concern and stuff I'll talk about later, but the offense is going to have to do something in the second half against this team. Like they can't, they can't stall and just rely on the defense the whole time because the defense is going to get tired. And yeah. so that's me, my one thing that I'm going to be looking for. Well, you talked about on the show last week, you said how important it was going to be to finish that game against Oregon State and the offense kind of limped across yeah. the finish line. <laughs> Definitely limped in there. It almost cost him. Dude makes a, was it, 37-yard field goal? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. I mean, it's definitely makeable. Yeah. Definitely makeable. It was a brutal week for kickers across football at large. It it was, I don't really care much for kickers, but it was painful to watch. Like, I, for the guy on the Browns, I, like, really felt for him. But, yeah, yeah, kickers had a rough week for sure. Yeah. Um, One of the things I mentioned last week, I'm going to go back to the well. Um, Nevada's (laughs) third-down defense it's it's three games. They're trying to get more of a collective idea of what this unit's going to look like. Continues to be awesome on third down. Mm-hmm. Um, Nevada w- held Oregon State to three of fifteen on third down. Oregon State was three of three on fourth down, um, but doing a good job of keeping teams in front of the chains on third down. Now for the season, Nevada's only allowing conversions on twenty one point seven percent of third downs. That's fifth in the country. I was curious, I was curious how high that was because I knew that had to be up there. Number five. Um, so that's an awesome stat for, for this defense. Toledo, uh, for as, as, as easily as they can move the ball at times, mm-hmm. um, they're converting third downs only 27.3% of the time. And that's number 122 in the country out of 128 squads. So another advantage for Nevada in, in this area, of course, it only matters if you can get Toledo in the third down. You know, if they're moving mm-hmm. the chains every every two plays, then it doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. But but that is an area you'd think Nevada can maybe take advantage of in this one. Yeah, 
That's definitely a favorable percentage. Um, I'm just going to go the balanced attack on the offense, flipping to keeping kind of with it, is we're not going to get to the point we saw it at Vanderbilt with a team that was, you know, obviously they showed in the second half that they were the bigger team, you know, outbested us. But as we can't get into that spot where we're just rifling the ball every down or running these little dives for – two or three yards and punt it every single every single time. So I'm going to be curious to how well Nevada is able to keep the Toledo defense on the toes, the offense, and be able to just kind of find a healthy balance because looking at some of Toledo's numbers, I mean, it's it's pretty good. And, you know, Nevada had, you know, that. Yeah, their, the their defense is pretty solid too. Yeah, and so I think of like going, when you're going the same kind of situation, they're going back east early game. Mm-hmm. Some I'm starting to see some similarities, and that's what makes me nervous. Yeah, yeah. I was going to go, it's along similar lines. I'm kind of looking at Ty Ganji in this one. Um, mm. Toledo has a respectable defense. They held Miami in check for really, we'll say two and a half, maybe three quarters. Uh, they held VMI to three points. Of course, it, it's VMI. But, but yeah. Ganji, there's been a lot made, obviously, with the air raid offense. People are excited about it. But he hasn't really had a big, big game yet. Mm-hmm. Um, He's due. He, he, he is due. Um, hasn't been incredibly efficient. He's only completing 55% of his passes right now. And last week against Oregon State, not a good defense. He completed less than 49% of his passes. Six six touchdowns, four interceptions. I think it's pretty obvious at this point that Nevada's going to have to score some points, a mm-hmm. lot of points on Saturday to, to kind of keep up with Toledo. So Ty Ganji really against Toledo's defense or the secondary team to get specific into it. I think he needs to have his best game of the year for Nevada to have a shot in this one. All right, uh, biggest concern. What do you got? You want to, you want me to start it? Yeah. I'm going to say it goes back to looking at the Vanderbilt game, traveling back east, 9 a.m. kick, and on top of that, you got the big win hangover. Mm. So I'm going to think, you know, it was an emotional win. You could see, I don't know if you saw any videos of Norvell and a couple of the players. It was, you know, obviously it was a hu- it was a huge win, so I can understand yeah. the emotion behind it. But, the, you know, a lot of times you see it when teams have these big wins, the next week's kind of a dud. So that's... Yeah. That's my number one concern. What, what did you make of that video of him getting emotional after the game? Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought it was fine. Like, I think it's deserved. Like, you know, last year was last year was rough. They, you know, three and nine. You know, he's dealing with. You know, there's nothing at that point. A lot of the rec- people there weren't his recruits, so he didn't really wasn't able to prove himself of the people he's able to bring in. And some of this, you know, the system he wants to start. Right. You know, you get people with an, ex- an another year of experience. Now it brings it to now. And so I think, it, you know, it proves it shows that at least there's a possibility that this could work. Yeah. I, I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I, I think one of the things we get from Jay Norvell that we didn't get from Brian Pullian is a lot of authenticity. And it's yeah. very clear that Jay Norvell loves this football program. The way, yeah. he, the way he gets out in the community, the way he carries himself. He got emotional at his, I think, was it media days? Um, when he was talking about the team. I don't know if it was this mm-hmm. year or last year. One of those, he got emotional at that. And so I think it's great. I, I, yeah. So you look at that as a coach and you say, man, he really cares and he really feels this. Yeah. Um, for someone who has been on his journey where he's been an assistant at a million different places, this is his first time for it to be his show. I, I think Jane Norvell is so easy to root for. Yeah. And, and stuff like that. I mean, that like got me fired up seeing that. Like it, I, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Well, I think it built, it morphs, it morphs a connection with the community too that people are watching. Sure. So, but, but you hit the nail on the head there. It's it's, yeah, well, it's, okay, it's, a, a, it's a big um, it's coming off a big win. Now you're a 9 a.m. local time start in Toledo, Ohio, 
It's, yeah. all, it's another long flight. It's actually the exact same distance um, to Toledo from Reno than it is as it is to Nashville from Reno. Two thousand okay. forty-three miles. Saw that in the the press release. So um, this game has let down written all over it. It's the mm-hmm. last game of non-conference. You're on the road next week at Air Force, open Mountain West play. Ugh, there's, a, there's a lot of red flags in this one. And <laughs> you consider Nevada's yet to win a road game with Jay Norvell as the head coach. Yeah. So this well, is, a, this is a, a cocktail of... <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of th- a lot of things not lined right now. <laughs> yeah, and one more I'll do. Um, Nevada has struggled mightily against the pass. Now you're going mm. on the road. Playing a team that can throw the hell out of the football, I, I just think that matchup in general um, has problematic written all over it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, keys to victory in this one. I'll start. I mentioned it when I was talking about Ty Ganji. Nevada's got to score points, and it's going to score some more points. And then when it's done scoring some more points, they have to score even more points. Um, every single empty possession in this game is going to hurt. You're going to feel it because every time Toledo's going to get the ball, you feel like they're going to do something with it. Nevada's turned the ball over five times so far this year. Cannot have it this week. You gotta make the most of every single opportunity. If you're, if you're not scoring, you gotta find a way to make Toledo march 80 yards. Um, so the offense, it's gotta have, I know it scored 72 against Portland State, but that was a slow start and it's Portland State. I think the, the offense has to have its best effort of the year start to finish in this one. Yeah. Well, my key, I'm going back to the well like I did when they played Vanderbilt, and they did not listen very well, but I'm going to bring it up again. You've kind of touched on it a little bit, but they need to score early. They scored early against Oregon State, so just please, for the love of God, at least get one <laughs> touchdown in the first quarter. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, on the other side of the ball, defensively, I think stops are going to be hard to come by. Uh, we talked about Malik Reed's big touchdown last week. There was a defensive touchdown against Portland State. There was a punt return touchdown. I believe that was against Portland State as well. So defensively, special teams, there needs to be some big plays, whether it's a long kickoff return, long punt return, um, getting the ball out a couple times, getting your hands on some footballs. If you're the secondary, I, I think it's going to be hard just every time going out there holding Toledo preventing them from getting 10 yards in three plays. I, this, this offense is that good. So there needs to be some big plays, a defensive score, a punt return TD, a long kickoff return, something that can flip the field and maybe grab some momentum in this one. Um, so I think that's something that Nevada also is going to need. I, th- I think a lot of things need to go right for Nevada in this one. Do you have, do you have yeah. another one? Uh, that was all I had. All right. The betting angle. What do you got? Right. You may take it from here. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm an idiot. I apologize to everyone listening. Yes, I did not, <laughs> I did not get any of those stupid little statistics. I was writing this fairly late last night and my tired brain did not get them. But what I did see was some movement of the lines. Ooh. So, exactly. So the line, it started at 12 in favor of Toledo and it's now down to 10 and a half. And the over under started at 66 and a half and moved to 67 and a half. So the okay. over unders moved up, spreads moved down. I mean, if the P, I'm not really too into it too a lot, but a lot of people do look at like severe movements of the line and base their bets specifically on those. I don't really do that. I use other factors, but okay. if, if you look at it, if you're a Wolfpack better and the lines move in that way and I mean, by a point and a half in, a couple days, it's pretty significant movement, fa- yeah. thinking that Nevada's going to keep it closer. 
Um, over under, I like it because it means it's going to be more points. But so right now we're sitting at ten and a half and sixty-seven and a half for the lines. Ten and a half and sixty-seven and a half. That's a pretty big. What, what was it last week in Portland State? It was a pretty big total. Was it seventy? It got yeah. I think I kicked though. It was down to sixty-nine. I'm pretty sure. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So ten and a half, sixty-seven and a half. I'm gonna write that down. So we're we're gonna get into our predictions here. It's a road game. No attendance, mm-hmm. although I was closer last week on attendance. It ended up being a little north. I think it was twenty thousand four hundred. Yeah, I saw something on ESPN. It was over twenty. Yeah, so pretty good, pretty good crowd. A um, little less than what I thought it was gonna be, but certainly more than what you thought it was gonna be. Um, I I suck at I suck at attendance. All you're, I gotta, you're bad. I gotta start doing some studying. Somebody somebody tweet me some stats I can look at. Well, and speaking of, I've been pretty good on picks so far. Sick brag, but. I said it was going to be 38-35 Nevada. Mm-hmm. It was 37-35 Nevada. Yeah, so bring it on. Yep, pretty, let's hear it. Pretty, pretty good. Although your pick was, I mean, our picks were almost identical. Yeah, well, I made sure not to respond. Nathan tweeted at me towards the end of the game something about how was that over, but by that point I had I had been, you know, <laughs> spent, spent, enough, spent enough time at the wall, I refrained from responding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um... For a for a score in this one, like I mentioned, I think it's going to be. I think Toledo's going to score a lot of points in this one. Um, mm-hmm. Offensively, we've seen Nevada struggle early. We've seen Nevada struggle late. We haven't seen them put together a complete game offensively. I'm going to say Toledo 42, Nevada 28. Okay, for 42, 28 is what you got. I'm going to go 41, 24, Toledo. So even that's pretty close. Mm-hmm. Which is, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah, that is stupid. All right, but we, we both got Toledo covering, and then I, you, I I think that means I have the over and you have the under again. Would, would you say 42-28? Yeah. Yeah, so that would 70. put you, yeah, that put you over. I'm sitting at 65, so I'm still thinking under. Blame. One of these days I'll hit a bet, people. So if you're following me, <laughs> we'll get, we'll get there. All right, in the very last slant, we all we were, we were saving for the end of the show. I I think it worked pretty well last week. I had some people uh, respond and thought it was pretty funny. So I will go first. We're moving on past uh, Washoe, the chimp, the sign language chimp. Reno holds, I think, it holds a couple Guinness World Records. I think isn't the are you are you typing one up right now because you've got to find one? <laughs> I'm not going to confirm or deny that. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I think Reno holds the Guinness World Record for biggest bowling alley. Is that the biggest bowling alley? The yeah, uh, it's, it's the Nash. It's the nat. It's the national one. I think it might be the biggest, but I know that's where they have the national tournament. All right, that's that's not what I'm going at. They all Reno also has the, holds the Guinness World Record for most people playing. This is exciting. Checkers simultaneously. Hmm. So in 2014, 540 people. Went down to the pepper mill and said, hey, let's go play checkers together. And uh, that set a Guinness World Record. So, hell yes. Everyone can suck it. <laughs> we got it. Yeah. What would you find there in three seconds? Oh, I found something real good. It's going to be for all those lovebirds out there. While many people know Vegas as the marriage capital of the world, Reno became known as the divorce capital of the world after... Over 30,000 couples untied the knot between 1929 and 39 due to very lax divorce laws in the state of Nevada. 
I'm going to have to call you on your journalist integrity here because I, when I was doing some research, I mm-hmm. saw that Reno is no longer the divorce capital of the world. Now it's like, uh, I forget, it's, it's some city in Florida. Well, Florida, does, Florida, Florida doesn't count. That place That's is so true. bizarre. They got, they, I mean, the news, do you ever hear like any news stories, like follow any news channels from Florida? The stuff that happens in that state is just baffling. Let's see. They have, they have the sinkholes that pop up all the time and just apparently just swallow people's houses. They People have just, the, like the 45 foot alligators. They're just walking across golf courses. Wasn't that the place where people were taking bath salts and stuff too? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, and like I saw, I, I saw a picture the other day of like an alligator in the water and a raccoon was riding it through the pond. Yep, why not? Yeah. Well, so I'll defend it. I don't care about Florida. Reno's still the divorce capital in my book. Number yeah. one. Number one in our hearts. <laughs> That's funny. All right, and that is all we got for this week's show. To all of you who listened, to all of you who gave us a review on iTunes, to all of you who shot us a question on Twitter, thank you so much. It really does mean a ton. Um, the support that you guys have given us as we are now six shows into this thing. If you want to get involved in the show next week, you can shoot a question to us at the Reno Slants. I usually put something out there on uh, Tuesday night. Adam does as well. Or if you want to be in the running for the iTunes review of the week, just give us a review on iTunes. Give us five stars. Say what you like about the show or whatever. I don't know. We'll figure something out. And uh, maybe give you a shout out on episode number seven. So we'll get back to it next week. Break. We'll break down the Toledo game, obviously. Then it's on to Air Force conference play right around the corner. Uh, before that, though, we need to find a way to go to Toledo and win what would be a huge, huge game. We'll see you guys next week. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.